All right, welcome. This is King Dreamy, and I'm enjoying the outside at Panera Bread with an extraordinary person in my life, um, Eric Christian Thompson, my mentor. Um, in this weekend's topic, um, I will be engaging in some conversations on how to love black men or black male love and mentorship and spiritual mentorship. But today our focus is just the experience of being a black man. How does love feel for us? What we need is love. And so we're just sitting here having a conversation for my chat and choose on the weekend, just talking about our experiences and our relationships to our mother. And so we're gonna sit back and continue to converse about that is. And you were saying, Eric, well, I was saying that um, it really starts with the relationship with the mother. So if you want to understand a black man, and probably any man, but I think more so black men, because I feel like we're much more spiritually sensitive than others. Um, and the connection to our ancestors are, are stronger. Uh, the place of our mothers in our lives is so important. And to truly understand the needs of a black man, you have to understand if that relationship with his mother is distant, if it's close, if it's enmeshed, um, if it's strained, you know, that'll tell you what you need to know about him and how he responds. Not saying you have to psychoanalyze, you know, every black man, but to get a to get an understanding about how they show up in relationships is really built on um, uh, the foundation of that closeness with that mother. I think that's interesting that you said that, though. I didn't even think about that in the aspect of the spiritual connection because boys love their mom regardless of the situation. They want that connection, and boys tend to be, in most contexts, closest to their mom. But even what that foundation is, um, in that biological or in my understanding, like for me, I always quote the movie from Silent Hill because I love scary movies, but in the eyesight of a child, a mother is God, but... When you don't have that or when you don't have that connection, what does that do to the mental state of being for the black boy that becomes the black man in his relationships, how he treats his children um, in regards to what relationship he has with his mom? Well, I mean, I think for um, a group of people, and I will say this with, you know, obviously in a, in a manner that's open to um, conversation uh, it's not a pejorative statement I'm not stating it as fact or anything like that but my experience has been that um, because of the in and out nature of black fathers throughout history not talking about an individual family but the in and out nature the disruption that we experience as a people um, with our father-son relationships that mother relationship is the most important. Um, if it's, again, um, a, a good attachment, uh, that man will show up uh, bold and proud. He'll be balanced. He'll be able to handle disappointment. He'll be able to handle fears. He won't sabotage relationships. But if that at attachment is not strong, those are the types of things you'll see. I'm over oversimplifying, but what I found in my own experience is that because we are so poorly um, equipped to deal with our emotional selves, we really show up in a very primal fashion. Whatever feels protective is what we gravitate towards because of the, I think, um, spiritual pain down through the generations, it shows up. And obviously, you know, everybody has some sort of, you know, childhood uh, trauma, whether it's one of neglect, one of abuse, uh, or one of uh, loss, um, we everybody's got something so, um, yeah I, I think to, to truly get to what his needs are and why he shows up the way he shows up you, you have to just understand that connection and if he is adept enough um, or if he's cognizant of what those things are hopefully he'll deal with it um, in a healthy way um, and, and recognize that it's not just for him, but it's for his family and his children to come. So. And I, I think that's important. And one thing that you said, because I've been watching these videos and these documentaries on unmasking masculinity, 
And I shared that with you. Actually, I don't know if you've seen it. But what's so interesting about these videos in this time of unmasking masculinity is men have functioned in a manner for so many generations that's not beneficial to their healing and their growth, especially in regards to their family. You will have, like for me, bringing context to what you said, I didn't have my mom growing up. So I held on more to those memories because I didn't have her in the physical space. But even with my father and stuff like that, you know, this I have, you know, for my listeners and viewers, <laughs> I am dealing with trying to build this relationship with my father. And for those that know me, professional, you know, as Carl or as King Dreamy or whatever that is, I really value brotherhood and mentorship. So I am trying to work through this, but I had to block my dad <laughs> because the lack of respect as the man that I am for what I've earned is really triggering. But why is that? And that is the importance for us as men to really get to the point of understanding what we need for love and what's behind that. You know, I grew up in this environment where men couldn't express these things or whatever. I challenge that. But for the other typical man, you know, as in this video that I watched, Masking the Masculinity, when this presenter was speaking, how he wanted to sing. I cannot understand not being able to express your creativity and being a singer. But this man spoke about how he grew up in Canada and he wanted to and he was nervous and he finally got up and sing. And once he did that, he ran into the bully and he punched him. And so this machoism, and he defined it, and if you want the video and the context, I can send it to you, but he defined machoism as being the opposite of feminine or anything feminine. And I said, we as men have to stop doing that because what you're initially saying is if you have this mentality and this mindset of machoism, then you don't value your daughters. You don't value your wives. You don't value your mothers. And I'm not saying that, but that's just the mindset behind that. And so for me, I love my father, but this challenge to who I am is actually him just dealing with his own self. And then actually, instead of saying, well, I'm going through these things, I want somebody to work through these with these issues or what I'm feeling stereotypically for so many generations, this is the way that men express themselves. This is the way that they are. And then they treat their sons a certain way. And the only reason why I'm saying this is because I watched this video. Y'all, I love watching videos and documentaries. But I watched this video on TikTok where this woman was like, why do mothers treat their daughters a certain way? And this is specifically in regards to the black community in context to what Eric was saying. We do have a lot of generational pain. We have been programmed previously, our ancestors, to function a certain way or survival. Dr. Joy DeGruy, I love that. Anybody that knows me, I quote, but be the healing. We can no longer function in these mentalities because, not to put my dad out there, but if you are crying in front of me for over a period of time but saying you're okay and then acting in this way, that is emotional and mental instability. And my mindset is, I'm here if you want to work through that, but I'm not going to deal with that. And that's the epitome of what it is to be a man is, I stand by you, but father, brother, friend, let's work on this. Or I'm going to leave you where you at. And I don't know if you have anything in context to say to that, Eric, because for me, we are in a time frame. And I know a lot of people say, well, I don't want to be weaker, this, this and that. But have we not watched the women go through so much stuff, be so extraordinary? That's strength. Why are we still holding on this mentalities that to express this emotion, which there is factual information on psychology aspects on anything of what it does? Literally, and I don't know the statistics, but the suicide rate as far as men or black men are so high. And my thing is, when I look at another black man or man in general is, do you not value your life? Is having this role or this position, this power, because that's what it is, power. If having this, is, is having this power so important that you will sacrifice your own health and your own life and the others around you? So just to respond to that, you know, Carl, I think you know, I don't think we understand suicide. For one, I don't think we know what suicide really is, um, where it comes from. Um, I think that just like any other social ill, 
it all rolls downhill when it comes to us. If it's if it's financial, if it's mental, if it's spiritual, we take the brunt of it simply because of our place in society. We're the most hated and the most loved. You know, we are the that's uh, true. The uh, juxtaposition. We are the the uh, polar opposite of the norm of the normative male. And so, when it comes to you know suicide and it comes to emotional pain. In our community, much more so than any other, we are the worst equipped, I think. And let me take that back. I've, I've worked with some uh, you know, Native Americans. And they tend to deal with some of it as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, th- I think just... Shout out to our indigenous community. Yeah, and, and I think the males suffer in those communities as well. So I won't, I won't, I won't do the whole Olympics thing, but... Real quick, um, yeah. um, Eric, I do, for the people that are listening, because you did give a wonderful context on that go back to where you say we're the polar opposite um of the anglo-saxon or white people white males i want you to kind of go into what you were telling me earlier before we started this right yeah so what we were talking about my point was is that the reason i think we feel you know the, the oppression the marginalization the hate and the fear in such a in, in, to the extent that we do is because the uh, normative uh, state of the human being is geared towards the needs of the white male I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mixing my words here but I'm trying to get there um, everything is built uh, our, our workforce our education system our religious system mm-hmm. everything is built to serve and to meet the needs of the white male um, next is probably the white female um, but even the female of color is not considered a threat to the power and authority of a white male no matter how powerful we know how powerful the black woman is but society in general um, sees us as a threat because we are the pop we are the polar opposite of the white male so the the pinnacle the top the norm the the the, the um, the uh, top of the food chain we are the polar opposite and so which makes us a threat and so from a very young age we detect that right we don't necessarily recognize it that way but we feel the stares we feel the looks we feel the pain we feel the fear we feel the hatred on a very you know subconscious level sometimes but it's there and you become desensitized to it right but as a child it, it begins to happen when you know I'm just thinking about my own life you know, when the white man sicked his dog on me, I'm a 10, year, 10 years old. I, I don't understand hatred at that point, but I know, but I'm, I'm internalizing there's something about me. Um, when the little girl in the grocery store asked me if I had a tail, I don't know where that comes from. All I knew is that it kind of hurt. Um, when, you know, my teachers treated me a certain way or looked at me a certain way, or when I said words correctly, the surprise and shock on their face and they say you're so articulate all those things have a cumulative effect because for us we are the most hated and the most loved in this society now others will argue with that i'm sure and i'm open to that debate and just for some context my extraordinary mentor and brother eric is from mississippi i've never been <laughs> um and those who are familiar with some of the racial innuendos and I think that's good to understand as well too for me as I talk to many people I'm from Kansas City Missouri born and raised and there are certain things experience that I haven't had but the context and the common ground for all men of color is how we're viewed in the world regardless of the situations that we experience and I could just imagine as a child hearing that like you're asking a child where their tail is how is a child going to comprehend that but these are the things that are implemented i even want to go even further with just some of the lingo the language and the mindset as parents i always even with my sisters and the friends are like your child or your son is not your king they're your son treat them as the child that they are we need to start really understanding the the trauma that we put in trauma is not always a sexual um 
it's not always as horrible as you would picture it when it comes to that. Trauma can also be, and I'm not good at defining that yet, but it's just, it's an experience that is shared for us generational. Like, I remember as a kid, like, literally, I'm tired putting my hands on my hip to rest. Mind you, I just seen my cousin do the same thing, but you know what he did? He punched me in my chest. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. So I'm trying to understand and fathom how this had nothing to do with any type of feminine characteristic, but what you're doing is you're saying that I can't take care of my body in this manner because that's a sign of weakness. And it's just interesting the things generationally. Now, of course, things like that have changed for me because I'm a grown man and that family or not, I started standing up. But in this message of what it takes to love a black man or loving and what all that encompasses, we really need to start for those of us that have this privilege and this opportunity or in this position to challenge things is understand our place and know what impact we can have in our mannerisms. I, for me, and I always go back to this, but I remember this guy who was dealing with his sexuality and he was like, oh my God, you're just so beautiful. You're living your life. And I told him, I said, well, I chose this fight. It doesn't mean that I still don't have my issues, but I always tell people, you have to be prepared for what battle you're going to face, especially as a man. I am never going to tell a person, do this or do that, because it's my life. My life and my journey is that for a specific reason. But for men, they value their family. They value their image. It's about power and that mindset. So I wasn't telling him that. I, it ended up happening that we got comfortable. We seen each other. I didn't really know him like that, but I seen him again. And he said he came out to his family and they disowned him. And I was like, wow, you know, I'm here for you. All of that. This was years ago. Not too long after that, it broke him. You know, he had no connection with his family. You know, the people that he grew up with that he knew all cut him off took the money and all of that and I just thought that was a horrible thing to do to somebody but that wasn't it because of the weight the loss of power that connection that acceptance that respect that he had that he lost this man killed himself and to me I feel like this is years later but ever since that time anytime I'm having a conversation whether it's a heterosexual man whether it's a man of the LGBT community who, whatever you identify in regards to man my focus is what do you need for your healing what way do you need love for your life and your journey because you cannot walk my path my path is for myself but what I can do as one man to another man is say that you're not by yourself that I understand that if you need someone to show up in this manner equally for you, that I'm willing to do that. But it's just really interesting, like even still today that we still struggle with that. And then we have these episodes on the news where men are doing this or a lot of times in toxicity. That's really what the basis of it is in those toxic relationships that men have with women or whatever. And their lack of acknowledging their emotions or why or why is this strong woman a threat to you or why don't you want this woman to be able to flourish to me in, in any relationship or any friendship and Eric knows this I always say especially with my mentors when you rise I rise when you succeed I succeed so I would never be jealous of what you have my conversation next will be show me what you did so I can know how to do it myself and so this is a big thing as far as insecurities when it comes to male men of why it is no longer beneficial to us. The world is changing. The people who were implementing that or putting that in our minds are going to be gone. So what are we going to do in this time frame to ensure that we're strong, powerful men? Are you done with your dishes? Is yes. it okay if I take them? Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted okay. to take them off your hands if you were done. Thank you. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Yes, we're doing our chat and chew, everyone. But um, if you wanted to interject on that, Eric... Um, I just, for me, and this is not something that I chose, and anybody that's listening, I will say, I truly appreciate the relationship I have with Eric, you know, if it's okay if I say this, Eric is a Christian, heterosexual, married man with kids, and this is the reason why, for me, I love having these conversations, because for a world that says that a person of a certain sexuality or lifestyle cannot have a 
platonic brotherhood, I would say to their face, you're a lie. Because this man, and I'm sure as he says, I've done so much for him, but I always feel like he's done so much more for me. But I needed that. And I didn't know that I realized that as a young man dealing with his sexuality, growing up around women, from my perspective, I didn't value that as much. I didn't feel like I needed to prove anything. I was who I was. I was out. I was all of this. Mind you, just about myself, I am an androgynous, bisexual, spiritual, strong black man. But there was our previous parent, uh, uh, president for Metropolitan Community College, Penn Valley. That's where I work. Joe Seabrooks, when he was leaving, I walked into his office because if you know me, I'm all about peace and positivity and all of that. And that's for a reason because I am doing what I need to do. I treat people how I want to be treated. And so I love my job. I always have. But this was years ago that I walked into his office and I was just saying bye. You know, I was telling him bye and I was just asking for his opinion and growing. And he was just like, you need to find you a male mentor that's from the same community. And it struck me because I was like, why? Why does there have to be a specific group identification? You're a man, I'm a man. So what I realized was this was another opportunity for me to really kind of implement those changes and breakthrough. My path is really to challenge things, to open up a new mindset, because to me, my relationship with my mentor, Eric, has been wonderful and extraordinary. I'm able to talk to an extent, because anybody that knows me, I really don't talk a lot about stuff like that. That's who I am. That's how I was raised. My grandmother was really a private person when it comes to that. But knowing that I had that support has changed my mindset in the sense of, we as men should have the same opportunities as women do because we're, we come from the same things. Testosterone, estrogen, feminine, masculine, all of that is in both of us. But why do we function in limiting ourselves? This is why men die earlier than women. This is why men, when they get to middle age, they end up in certain situations because they get to a point where they put all their energy in one context and now they're fighting to have that emotional support and, and love feel like I'm preaching again, but it's the truth. Work on things now. You are a man for a reason because you have that power to stand for not only yourself, but the people that are looking up to you. Why not be better than what was before you? Why not be a greater man than the experience you had, Eric? Yeah, so, I mean, what struck me as you were saying it, Carl, is just examples. Right. Uh, I don't know where I would be if I did not have my grandfather, who was um, um, a strong man, but he um, showed us his his other side. Um, he played his guitar every evening and sang old Willie Nelson songs. And <laughs> I remember that was so odd to me coming from where I came from and seeing pimps, players, hustlers and gangsters all around me. You know what I mean? And then have him. Um, as a person who I was probably with um, just as much as I was with my mother. Um, seeing him care for my grandmother who never worked. Uh, she stayed home and kept kept the house. And, and seeing him, you know, just be tender with her. Um, it was interesting. I mean, when I reflect on it, because I ask myself all the time, how do I know how to do this? How do I know how to be a husband and father? My parents were not an example, so how, where did I learn it? And it was from, it was from them, mm -hmm. and, and especially him. Uh, but not just that. There was something, and I, and I don't know if it's spiritual in nature, um, but you see three or four different ways of doing things, and you say, this is the one that feels better. Treating each other with respect. Uh, caring for one another. Uh, building each other up, not tearing each other down. Um, I like that better than this other one over here, which is my dad beating the crap out of my mom um, or my uncle who had, you know, uh, such a severe drug problem, uh, but he had, you know, four or five different families and kids in each one and women in each one. And, you know, I mean, those things are just as, as a child, you don't know which one is the right way to do it, but there's something that resonated with me and I think others experience it as well that says, this feels better to me. Even though I don't get it at home, that's kind of what I'm. That's what I'm going to strive for. And it's all sub subconscious. You know, you're not thinking about that as a 12 year old mm -hmm. or a 15 year old. 
But when you start thinking, you know, having those thoughts about maybe building a family um, or, you know, just, you know, being in any kind of relationship, um, you have at least something to compare it to, you know, your experience with uh, the experience that you want to create. So for me, um, yeah, examples. We need more examples. We need more people who are willing to share. Um, I remember when I got married, we had said uh, that we always wanted to live um, in the community where we serve um, because for us it was important to, for me and for my wife as well to see people get up and go to work and to treat each other well and to raise their kids. I mean, you have to see those examples and we wanted to be an example for someone who may not have had the things that we had growing up. And I think that's incredible. One thing that was, was in my mind is as we're talking about loving black men, I do not want to disregard or not discuss the men that don't have that. I feel like that's our privileges because when you said that, I also remember that there were men that showed up and I latched on to that. And as a child, or as as I call it, an ever-evolving being, that's what you're doing, you're learning. Life is all about growth and understanding. And for us as spiritual people, we always talk about in certain contexts how you chose this life before you got here to teach yourself something well in that same context for those that have yet to learn that lesson i always feel like it is so important for those men that haven't got there or are in a destructive point to still stand strong and who are in that and so for me like i still like i tell people all the time i was talking to my spiritual mentor goddess trends when i was saying I am humble and I still go to the club. I'm spiritual sacrificing now, y'all, so I'm not out in socializing. But when I go out, I love because it's an opportunity when a person questions who I am or asks something, well, when you're ready, let's talk about it. Or with this in my experience of who I am as a leader, this is the knowledge that I have and I'm willing to share that with you. And it's so interesting because I literally was working in the department at my job and I asked this um, man, I was, he took this class and it popped in my mind, like literally uh, any opportunity for me to talk and engage, I will. Um, but he, he was taking this human sexuality class. If you have not taken a human sexuality course, please do. Because when I took this class years ago, even as an openly strong-minded, bisexual, whatever man that I identify I realized that I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And I really think that that is the nature of it for men. So do I challenge men? Do I hold them accountable? But for the man that is abusing or for the man that's doing this, they're just repeating what they've seen or they haven't been given the knowledge. So for me, it's like prime example, one of my homeboys, when he used to come to me about his relationship issues, which were so toxic, um, I used to ask him challenging questions. His response was, I didn't come here for a psychologist. I said, well, we can't be friends. Because as the man that I am, for anybody that's listening, if you are my friend, then that's what comes with friendship because I don't want that type of friend for me. I want a friend or a mentor that's like, you know what, King Dreamy or Carl, you know that, I don't think, like prime example, you know, I'm gonna go ahead if it's okay, Eric, and talk about my father um, and I'll go back to the guy. I was triggered and didn't necessarily realize it or wasn't surprised, but I was going in on my dad because what triggered me was my opinion, and this is why I have relationships with people who have a different faith base, because I don't want to be that person that's like, I'm better than you or whatever. It's all about all of us as energy sources being unified and understanding that the greater power, if that's not your belief, or the structure of the universe is all about us evolving and growing. But when he said that to me, this... I'm going to choose my words correctly. This man, <laughs> I was going to say something else. I'm still triggered, y'all. This man, and that, that shows my pride as a man. I'm still a man, so when another man challenges me, I flare up, even my father. But it's like he sent me this thing about Little Nas X. If anybody knows me, knows, little. I'm not a fan of Little Nas X, but I am a supporter of every part of the community. So as a black person, or I support my community and their expression, even though I don't agree with everything. As an LGBT person, I support them in their expression, and I'm a student, so I could break down anal analytically what he was doing, and controversy sells. 
not calling anybody stupid or whatever like that. Those are not. But it's like, check the sources before you make an uneducated opinion or an ignorant opinion. But he said this. I didn't respond. The spirit was like, sit with this. I then responded not too long after that and said, well, I didn't get a good morning, a hell or anything. This is the issue about the relationship of the father in certain contexts with the son or the relationship with men. You message my phone, father or bro, and you can't even say, hey, what's up, what's going on? You send this this message saying that you want to understand because that's all he said. And I'm like, understand what? So you're making an assumption instead of asking me or saying, well, son, you're a part of this community. I'm trying to understand this. Let's talk about this. And let me do in context that I do realize that some of our parents come from a generation where they didn't have that access to knowledge. I'm not judging him. What I'm saying is I'm not, there's no excuses. Ask me before you do that. The second thing is I have nothing against Christians. As I said before, a lot of the podcasts I started out with was bridging the gap between the occult as I am a proud and open purse practitioner of witchcraft um, and my mentor and another guy are Christians um, one of them is a minister but my thing is when you send me this Bible verse you also need to know that I started out in the church and I'm very familiar with the uh, Bible context he sent this message called saying delusioned where is it that I'm delusioned I believe in a higher power I pray I am very devout in my faith I manifest I support all religious and spiritual things. So I'm trying to break down this. And at the end of the day, to me, it's like, stop that. If you are hurting because of whatever you've experienced or gone through, because every time I talk to my father, it's always, well, people are fake. Who's fake? You're not talking about me. But because I respond and I'm there, like my brother my father don't do that to me like there is plenty of opportunity for us to have the same relationship that i have with my mentor eric or i have with my brothers the majority of the relationships i actually have for those that are listening and not that this is a bad thing or anything it's just the areas that i'm in but the majority of the strong relationships i have are actually with heterosexual people and i prefer them because i prefer my relationships to differ in background so I can have a challenging understanding or I can have connection in all aspects. I support my community very well. But as I pass this on to Eric, my thing is for me, I had to reach out to him because it was this close for me going back to our relationship before and me cursing him out. And I said, no, that's not who you are now. And Eric will talk more about what he said because for me, I was like, wow, it made me really realize how much I was still functioning and that machoism, man-like nature. And he literally said, I don't know, I don't know how you said, but she was like, bro, you were attacking him. And I was like, I was almost as close to saying, excuse me, but he was right. He was right. And I was like, okay. Well, and I mean, I think that's that's all, all of us when we're triggered. I mean, you you only you can only be triggered um, by someone you care about. Exactly. You know, we don't respond to people who don't mean anything. The opposite of love is not hate; it's indifference. Mm -hmm. And so, the people we love the most, or the people who we desire the most, uh, speaking about our parents, right? We want our parents' affirmation and love. No matter what they've done to us, us or haven't done, we want it. Um, trigger us the most, and uh, I will. I will be the first to tell you that, you know, I've had to pray many, many a days uh, after having conversations with my father as well. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the older generation, they're even less equipped to deal with the emotional um, um, self. I mean, I mean, just black men, just <laughs> we just are behind, right? We're, it's it's a arrested development. For 400 years, we were fighting just to live, to be alive. Exactly. To not to be a little bit more than a piece, of, than a, than a cattle, mm -hmm. uh, or a, um, we were not valued at all, at all. And it's in writing, mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. Um, so we not not only were we not valued, we were used and misused. So. That generational trauma, we've been dealing with it all this time, and 
there's a little bit of what I call arrested development. We're just not there yet. We're getting there. There was a time, Carl, we couldn't sit here and talk about nope. counseling. We couldn't talk about um, emotions at all. And I'm talking about in my lifetime. Now at least we can talk about it. So, you know, our fathers, they're just, they're, they're just behind eight ball. They're late bloomers when it comes to self-examination, self-improvement. Um, you know, again, understand their emotional selves. I've always said it. So many men go to their deathbed and they make all their apologies from the hospital bed. And we're learning to do better, right? So so sometimes, you know, we look at the state of black men and it's, it seems um, like we have a long way to go, but we've come a long way. Um, and even now, and I tell you, my father, my brother passed. Um, I looked at him so much differently because I saw him broken, right? I've never seen him like that. I've always seen my father as, um, you know, just a 10 feet tall um, warrior, right? That's who he was, right? But I saw him as a broken human being, and I was able to develop more empathy for him than I ever have in my life before because I've not lost a child, right? And there's something about that that humanizes a person. And so I can deal with the human now rather than the specter, you know, of this man who made my life hell growing up. So, you know... Um, it's funny, I've heard people say this, but we almost have to be parents to our parents. Yes. In a way. Wow. That you said, you spoke a word today. <laughs> that is, is so true. And not even to cut you off, I do want for those that are listening, know, like to me, that really get close to home. I love my father. I really love my father. I love him even more because I see that he's hurting. But that has to stop. It has to stop, especially for us as men, especially as black men, to do that stuff. Like, the one thing he said, I don't want to go to my deathbed. Like, normally how I would function with my father is he would do some stuff. And I'm a very respectful person, but he would do some stuff and I would go off. And I would not talk to him for a long time. I'm setting boundaries now, so I took a break. But I love him. And it's true, like, my mom always wanted me to have a relationship with him. And I, I understand the importance of having a relationship. But what I also want him to understand is if you're going to you do, you create the type of relationship we have. We can have a relationship where I just talk to you on holidays or I just check in. Or we can have a healthy, functioning relationship where we take trips, where we bond, where we're sitting here like this. And he has the potential, but with the generations before, they're still learning. They're still growing. They're still healing. So I acknowledge that. But I don't have to take what is being given to me. And it's, it's a complicated situation, but I love that man. I love my father. I love all my family, everybody, anybody that knows me, that's listening to this, that knows me. I don't give up on relationships easy. And you don't get too many people like that. You do not. There are friends and people that don't really call me like that. And I will call them. I will check on them. I will love them. Because... We all, from men to women, especially in the black community, have been programmed that it's not okay to express this. During those times, what the thing is, is we no longer have to be that way. And that's the thing that I think we don't realize, quoting Dr. Joy, Joy DeGruy again, she really talked about the fact of, with her research, why do we treat each other the way that we do? And it all goes back I don't want to be that person because I am a millennial, but it's true. I don't want to be that person that talks about slavery all the time, but it is. There was so much more mentally and emotionally in regards to slavery and segregation that we didn't understand that is still here. I always tell people I love watching documentaries about war because the horrible but interesting thing about that is war was really a huge showed the creative power we had as humans but also the destructiveness as well because to be able to program and destroy or imprison a whole community's mind you are powerful but my question and my challenge to us as men is why we don't have to be that way anymore and when are we going to stand up and start taking our power back as i always say in some of my stuff reclaim your as in sister maxine I'm reclaiming my time, Auntie Maxine. But it's really with us as men, 
we were not created like that. When you start doing your research or even when you start sitting with other families or other communities or other cultures, you realize that every man is not, that is not how it's always been. It was never like that. We were never created to not be vulnerable, whatever like that. That was a product of war to make a group of strong people function as cattle and it worked. So now it's time for us to change that. So I will always challenge my dad. I am one thing about me that I want people to understand is I'm not that type of new generation person. that's like, oh, I'm gonna do this to do that. I want to be a leader and I'm a person that always says, I don't have to give you what you give me, but I can show you that what you're doing is not going to work. And that's my thing for my father. I love him. If you were to meet my father, you would realize why we are father and son. My strength and love comes from him, not my mom. It comes from him. But also in that sense, um, I'm trying to. And my exact words to him this year when I met him is, I'm not giving up on you. I love you. And going back to what Eric said, we as children of certain parents have to be the parents if we truly care and a lot of us do and so for me being a part of my life is when you act a certain way you're gonna have to take a little time out for me mm-hmm. because we you and i say this all the time you have to start teaching people how to love you mm-hmm. and it's his choice and i tell him all the time you have every right to feel the way that you feel father you have every right to feel the way that you feel around my family and all of that but i have nothing to do with that that has nothing to do with our relationship so when you're ready to work on a relationship with me and you as one adult to another adult, as a father and son, then I'm ready. But I don't want to keep visiting this. And even when it comes to your healing, and this is for anybody, this is for Eric, for anybody. When you need support and healing, I will be there. But I have my own baggage. Actually, let me change that. I have my own things that I need to focus on. I have my own groups of things to focus. I work a lot. I have a lot of thing going, thing, things going on. And I want a person that's a part of my life to value that as well. There's a mentality when it comes to parents, and I'm saying this in a certain way because I'm not a parent, but I'm a child and I'm a godparent and I have helped raise certain children. But there's this mentality that's been passed down that I'm your parent, so you're obligated to me, or you're my parent, you're obligated. I challenge all of that. That is not your obligation. The only obligation as a parent is to take care of their child to get to a certain age. And as far as the parent to the child is to honor the fact that you are part of my creation and you're my family. That is it. I don't owe you nothing. This mentality that we have is a perpetration of, and I don't want to say it in that context, but it is a perpetration of the white mentality. And let's be honest, like this mindset that we are owed something is not everybody has to work for what it is that they want so if you want love you have to give love if you want money you have to give money if you want security and foundation you have to do that or you're going to get exactly what you especially as a spiritual person i believe in karma i believe in all of that it comes in different ways and what people need to realize is it may skip you and go to your children And I tell people that all the time, well, I'm fine. Everything is okay. Well, have you looked at your family and the people around you? People could be suffering because of what you've done to somebody else. And so not trailing off. I appreciate that, Eric. Um, We have about 15 minutes left. But for me, in going back to the whole conversation of black male love and what it takes to love a black man, my focus is forever going to be regardless if it's a relationship well everything's a relationship to me if you ask me everything is a relationship that's my perspective but whether it's an intimate relationship whether it's a parental relationship whether it's a family relationship or a friendship i want to be a person i'm glad i'm at this point of finally realizing that i am the perfect person to show other men how to be men because i love myself i love myself i love the people that i'm around i'm also spreading knowledge i'm also protective i'm also all the things that men are supposed to be i am that and so for me it's like the other part of it is is building community and i mean community specifically for us as men we need that you know we're the only group especially when it comes to the black community for one but even black men in general that's not unified when are we going to stop letting sexuality or gender 
or status separate us from the one thing that we care about because we do that's a whole reason we still want to get married that's the whole reason dudes want to chase women that's the whole reason people are in these things is because and dr joy degree said it again people of color are relationship oriented people it means the most to us we are connected that was the one thing that was used against us as far as, and I'm not going to go too much into that. I'll talk about it in another context, but that's the reason why religion and spirituality are always the basis of where a lot of our arguments or our indifferences come from because we are a culture that is very proud of our faith. But we should not let the most high, as quoting the wonderful and future Dr. Eric Thompson, not using our religion or our faith as a weapon. Because that's, that was never the intent. It's supposed to be a bridge. It's supposed to be a power for us to heal, for us to protect, and all of that. But we're using it as weapons. When we don't understand, especially as men, or we're uncomfortable because of what's been done to us, we project that onto other people and our family. When no, just because this person did that, or just because your father or somebody did that, doesn't mean that that's the way. If you didn't like it, why would you think the next person would? And that is my basis. And so... Any last closing remarks or any other insight, Eric? Sure. So, you know, I, I just want to kind of go back a little bit and talk about, you know, again, you know, this is this is not, you know, unique to um, to us as black men. All men, you know, mm-hmm. you know, have to do the work of just like working on our bodies, working on our health, working on. Um, our careers, our vocation, um, mastering the world around us. We have to master ourselves. I love Stedman Graham. Most people think he, Stedman Graham is just Oprah's man. Um, but he um, has written a couple books and he talks about mastery of self. And it is the most important thing there is for us wow. to master, to master ourselves. And But you can't master yourself if you don't know yourself. And so that time um, we in this society where that's so fast paced is... Um, it's, t- it's hard to prioritize, but it's essential. It's needed. Um, I think, you know, there's so much creativity that could be unleashed. There's so much wealth, so much joy that can be unleashed uh, just by really examining ourselves. How many men, I think, you know, and Les Brown says, he's one of my favorite speakers, but he says, uh, you want to get rich, go to the cemetery, he said, because there's a lot of ideas. <laughs> Wow, buried yeah, that's in the cemetery. True. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that is true. That have never come to fruition. Mm-hmm. But because we live in fear, uh, we live uh, in fear of rejection and disappointment because of you know things we haven't come to terms with. Uh, we avoid pain. Uh, we mass pain through you know all sorts of ways, including drugs and alcohol. Um, we can't really fully explore who we are. And until we can do that, we are slim. We are um, easy pickings. Yeah, we sit in ducks, you exactly. know. And when you know you look at the news and you say, "Why are black men suffering? So why do we have? Why is it so much? Why does it seem like it's always us?" Well, I mean, I think it all starts there. It starts with this sort of inability to address that core part of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the emotional self. And uh, again, like you mentioned, that goes back to uh, our mothers and our fathers, you know, for many of us you know we have gotten to the place where we can make it without father it's hard to make it without mother right yeah. it's almost better to have a father gone than a father that's around mm-hmm. uh, who's neglectful or uh, abusive right right uh, with mother even some of the worst mothers take care of their kids I've seen it yeah. I've worked in the I've worked in the field when father's gone mother can be strung out on drugs she gonna do the best she can with what she got until she can't anymore and so you know I would never tell anyone to you know just willy-nilly haphazardly go back and start dealing with all your traumas and mama why you do this why you whip me why you do that that's not productive sometimes yeah however do something exactly do something you know quit quit dealing it's, it's like um uh, this old saying a man walked by a porch and he saw a dog on the porch sitting on a nail. He came back by the, the, the next day, the dog still sitting on the porch, sitting on the nail. <laughs> he says, I'm just going to knock on the door and ask his owner, why is this dog sitting on a nail? 
<laughs> so he did. Knocked the ass on the Why is your dog sitting on there? He said, I don't know. He said, but he'll move when he gets tired of hurting. Wow. And that's us, man. Um, I hope. I hope that we don't continue to perpetuate the graveside apologies or the, the deathbed apologies, you know. Deal with your stuff. Deal with it. Yeah. You know, let it go. Move on. Do something do something on your bucket list. You know, you deserve it. I don't think men think they deserve it. I don't think they deserve it. I don't think they deserve think they deserve to be happy. I don't think they deserve to let this stuff out. They don't wanna, you know, be emotional and all that stuff. And I get it, because I've always said I don't have time to be laid up in a corner in a fetal position right now dealing with my daddy issues. Yeah. However, um, I need to do something. Right. I need to be moving forward. Just like in my career, you know, taking steps, moving forward instead of being stagnant. One of my best friends always says, if a shark stops swimming, it dies. And I think that's us. A lot of us spiritually have just allowed ourselves to just exist and we are not moving forward. And that's a sort of a spiritual death. And it shows up in our relationships. It shows up in our communities. It shows up in the way we interact with each other. That's why we're so quick to pop off. Like you said, sometimes we don't value ourselves. And so we're quick to pop off. And I might... It's the same out here as it is in prison, and that's mm -hmm. a shame. Oh, yes. That's a shame. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's tragic. Well, I appreciate, I always love having these conversations. I'm glad that my listeners get to hear some fun and interesting, challenging conversations. Because I actually have these conversations all the time. If you are a close person in my life, these are the general conversations. But I want to say in these last closing time frames, if you are a man, especially a man of color, get some help, seek some help, find you some support. Know that it's okay to deal with those. As he said, don't pile on that all in a lot of times because you are being watched. You do have to show up in a certain way, but you deserve to feel happy. You deserve to be loved unconditionally, and you deserve to have everything that you want to give to everybody else. You deserve to have peace, and so... I am King Dreamy. I am so thankful for my mentor, the man that is always helping me do extraordinary things, Eric uh, Christian Thompson. Um, and I just appreciate everybody that has shown me what it is to love myself as a black man um, and heal through that. If you are wanting to be on my podcast, you can always reach out to me through The Phoenix Rises on Facebook. Um, Instagram, CJ the Phoenix God, or you can email me the Phoenix Rises at yahoo.com. That's T H E P H E O N I X R I S E S. If you want to donate as well, too, I am blessed, I am supported, but I am focused on being the man that I want to see and being the man that I need to be, not only for myself and my family. Also, if you would like any spiritual readings or anything, you can always book me. But I want to end this as I always say. And loving yourself is the most important thing. Let your peace of mind be purposeful, be powerful, and be persistent. And have a wonderful and extraordinary day. I'm going to enjoy the rest of this day. And as I always end it, au revoir, chabela, adios, assalamu alaikum, and peace and abundant blessings unto you all. Later.